0: Neil, deep in the post, lots of content there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What and a jump ball! 15 down 4, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first. A yes. first from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and
1: a dynamite
0: dunk. Pistons fans, we welcome you to episode number 32 of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The whole crew back together this week. Brendan Johnson, Aaron Johnson, Ryan Pei, and Ryan, what a surprise, we start the pod and Aaron's just over here on his phone as usual, and even though he might be a little distracted this week, we got a lot of good stuff to talk about.
1: I look forward to it, I'm glad to be back, sorry I missed last week, fellas, Um, Aaron, you can pay attention.
2: That's the thing, Uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, did did I like miss a week and you guys decide like Ryan was just going to be this part-timer or something, it's like... One week we got him, one week he's gone, we get him back for a week, he takes the next week off, it's like, what's going on here?
1: Aaron, Aaron likes to pretend he has an important schedule, so we're like, oh, we'll, we'll do it at this time. Oh, no, you, we're going to do it at this time. No, actually, we're going to do it at this time. Okay, Aaron, why don't you uh, why don't you figure it out if
0: you're the leader of this podcast?
1: <laughs> well, that's the why thing. Your whole team, why don't you get your team on... Uh... On one schedule,
0: buddy. Yeah, it's all in the leadership. And when you set a standard as the leader that you could take random days off for your more important schedule, you let it be known to everybody that it's okay. It's acceptable behavior. This is nonsense.
1: Th- just saying. I'm just We're going to put it on me. I'm here
2: week in and week out. Putting on a show for all the listeners. I come in on a a weekly basis. I put together the outline. I put together the notes. I get us all on the same page. I'm working out technical difficulties.
0: And you're going to come on the podcast that I started
2: and you're going to trash me. We're going to do this.
0: Aaron does the dirty work, but Ryan and I make the whole show go round. And that's how we're going to leave it. Um, but, Aaron, you mentioned nonsense in that. Maybe nonsense is Jimmy Butler deciding that his preferred destination is not the Detroit Pistons. The rumors have come out. What? What? Yeah, I know. What? I know. It's ridiculous. And, honestly, it's quite surprising, right? Why would he not want to come to Detroit where no free agents are attracted to? But, anyways, um, Jimmy Butler has announced that his preferred destination is the Miami Heat. And what a surprise. Pat Riley... I mean, that dude just finds a way. And he has found a way to attract Jimmy Butler to Miami. Sounds like a place he would go not only in trade, but want to sign a long-term extension. And guys, that makes the Heat, again, a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference. Aaron, starting with you. Talk about the impact of Jimmy Butler Going to Miami if that's to go through. Yeah, so I, I really think there's a lot to
2: cover with this subject because you can you can go so many different directions with this. First off, I'm going to start by talking a little bit about a piece I wrote for PalaceOfPistons.com. I talked about how if an opportunity arises with the Timberwolves, the Pistons have to make a move for Jimmy Butler. They have to surrender whatever assets it takes to get him in a Pistons uniform. Um, and then you you know you look at the package that. Miami can put together for a guy like Butler and the true centerpiece in the trade that going back to Minnesota would be Josh Richardson. And, you know, Josh Richardson, a good two-way player, good two-way prospect, um, definitely one of, uh, a great on-ball to defender, can shoot the three. But, like, he's not, he's not a top-tier guy. He's not a guy that I want to center a trade around when I'm trading a top-12 player in the league. And then you look at what else Miami has to offer – and they're not going to trade both Josh Richardson and Bam Adebayo. You know they wouldn't. They wouldn't give up that much. They're looking at giving up Josh Richardson, and then you could see some guys like Tyler Johnson get tossed into the mix. Maybe James Johnson, um, Goran Dragic, who you know he's still a, a fine NBA player and everything, but he's not no Jimmy Butler, and, and those two don't equal Jimmy Butler in any sense of any sense of the way. So I'm just curious that if this. And I really, I'm not sure if Minnesota would trade Butler uh, to Miami because, one, again, I don't think they're getting the best package that they can if he's being sent to Miami. And to a team like Detroit, who is pro- probably in a worse shape to make this trade asset wise, I think they could come up with a better package, whether it be Luke Kennard, whether it be Reggie Bullock and Stanley Johnson. Um, you know, if Reggie Jackson's involved in the trade, I whatever picks, Detroit has all their first-round picks right now. I think in some way, Detroit could put together a package that's better than what Miami can do. Um, another way I want to take this, and then I'll let Ryan get in on this, is when Jimmy Butler came out and said he wanted to trade, the biggest reason why he wanted out was because he wanted to go win. And he's going to go to Miami, where... Miami, is they don't have a roster that's even close to competing. And yeah, Jimmy Butler's going to make them a better team. But in the process of that trade, they're going to lose whatever counterparts would be useful to play with Butler to build that team that could maybe compete for a mid-level seed in the Eastern Conference. So this trade and why Butler wants to go to Miami, it doesn't make any sense for the reasons that he came out and initially said why he wanted out.
1: I tend to agree with you, Aaron, about uh, what really are the assets that Miami has to give. You say uh, Richardson, which I agree. Um, but I would have to believe they would have to give up Goran Dragic, too. Um, but it's the same with the Pistons. You know, I think they could throw together a better package. Uh, I think Luke Kennard would have to be the centerpiece. I think you both tend to agree with that. Um, but I don't know. I don't really see how Minnesota. it would make sense for Minnesota to make that move for to Miami, considering what they would get in return. I'd also like
2: to, to point out that I don't think Tom Thibodeau would would try to make that trade. And I know there's a bit of disconnection between Thibodeau and the general manager, Scott Layden, and then the owner of the team, owner of the Timberwolves. I know that Thibodeau and Layden are trying to convince Butler to stay and don't want him to go. But uh, the owner of the Timberwolves, Glenn Taylor, is all for trading Butler right now. So I, I don't know how this is going to go through. I'm going to expect that he doesn't go to Miami because, again, like one, why would you send a guy to his preferred destination, and two, you're not going to get the best package on the table from that team.
0: You guys talk about you know, getting the best package, and I have some agreement. And the thing is, if you're Minnesota, your approach needs to be trying to find a package that helps you win now. Finding a package that puts you in the best position. To me, Miami, and you've already hit on it, I don't need to repeat what you said, Miami doesn't have the pieces. Miami's not going to give away Goran Dragic unless if Jeff Teague is coming in return. And then Minnesota's again changing the total culture of their organization, and they're not upgrading from Jimmy Butler, and it's training camp. Miami, you can get away with that because it's tra- even though it's training camp, you're getting a top 12, top 13 guy in the league. right? You can make that happen. If I'm Minnesota, I am looking for the best win now package. Now, I don't know if Detroit has the best win now package. You know, depending what the Clippers are willing to give up, if they're still in the mix, they probably have the best win now package. Well, and the thing is,
2: and I know we got to get to the actual impact it would make if Butler does get traded, but with the Clippers, you look at a package that they could put together. You know, you have Tobias Harris. You know, you could move one of Shea Gilgis Alexander, Jerome Robinson. um, You have Lou Williams. Like, you have. You have prospects and you have guys that can help teams that are trying to win ball games, and you can put together a, a
0: much better package in Miami. Yeah, no doubt about that. But you know, let's let's take a look at it. And the preferred destination is the Heat. And the one thing to remember: the reason you trade somebody to their preferred destination is because if you're Miami, you're going to be willing to give. You're going to be willing to work a little bit to acquire a top twelve player. And everybody else, if they know that Jimmy Butler wants to be in Miami and he doesn't want to stay in that organization, they're gonna pull back from their offer sheet. They're not gonna give as much as maybe they normally would to acquire a guy of that caliber because they don't want to do it for a one year rental unless it puts them the over the top for a championship. And then in that regard, you know, maybe they could convince him to stay. The thing is of the teams that he's listed as his preferred destinations, it was New York, Brooklyn, the Clippers, now Miami. None of them are in a position to win a championship next Brooklyn year. Brooklyn
2: could put together a good package. That's another team
0: that could put together a better package in Miami. But let's say he ends up down in South Beach, chilling in the palm trees, and puts together that South Beach package. What kind of threat does this impose in the Eastern Conference? Well,
1: can I just say I wouldn't be that threatened by it? Am I the only one who was with that stance? Well, the thing is... I think Jimmy Butler and Hassan Whiteside, I mean, they're going to be giving up pieces for him. Mm -hmm. So what's left after that? What's left after that? Are you really that threatened by that combination?
2: The thing is, it's not really like uh, this team can go out and and compete for one of the top seeds in the East. It's more so that's another team that Detroit's going to have to really fight for for probably one of the back-end spots, you know, 6-8, to in the Eastern Conference playoffs, um, because I think... You know, you get a top 12 or so player in Jimmy Butler, your team is going to get better, at least a little bit. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, he, he can just drag you through games, and that's the real appeal of him is he can win you ball games just being out on that court because he has that that impact. Even if he's not having the greatest shooting night, the, or the defense has to pay that much attention to him, and he's an elite defender himself. So he's one of those guys right. that just drags you through games.
1: Aaron, I agree with you, but... Who's around him after they make that trade?
2: No, I'm not, I, I can't argue on that. Give me your best that.
1: guess. Give me your best guess.
2: Well, you, you, Josh Richardson, I think, is a goner. Um, I think you lose Goran Dragic too. And then you got to, whatever else really doesn't matter because I don't think you're going to get anything else of real value from Miami in that sense. So, you might get a pick out of it, but that doesn't but, help you in terms right, of on the floor. So on the court value, you lose your starting point guard and you lose one of your starting wings. But if
0: if you trade Jogic, you have to think that right. um, you're going to get Jeff Teague, because they don't need to stack Jeff Teague. Well, the thing is, that's that's what Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN was
2: reporting, is that um, this is probably going to take a third or fourth team to get done, and Jeff Teague could be a guy that's getting shipped to a team like Phoenix who wants to get involved to get a point guard of their own. So maybe Miami doesn't go and get a guy like Jeff Teague, but what you're saying is they're going to go out and they're going to go get have to get a sure. point guard? That could happen, yeah.
0: Well, and, and if Miami's to trade Drogic, they're going to need to get a point guard yeah. too. So it might just work out that those two could find an exchange as well. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, but you, know, you look at the Eastern Conference and things start to get interesting. if Boston, Philadelphia, Toronto and then everything opens up from there those top three spots you know maybe they don't finish in the top three but those are your preseason top three Eastern conference teams. Now you've got to figure out where does Milwaukee, Washington, Detroit, Miami where do they all fit in amongst others and you know Miami when you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, it all depends on the package right does Pat Riley convince the Timberwolves that Tyler Johnson, is worth his contract? God, Do the Timberwolves take Tyler Johnson? Then, all of a sudden, you you look at Richardson, Johnson, first-round pick. Minnesota makes the move to get Richardson in the pick. They just take on Johnson as, you know, the extra. And somehow, Thibs agrees to that. Now, all of a sudden, damn, Miami got a deal. Drogic, Butler, Hassan Whiteside, you're putting together a core. Can
2: I just say that I I think... I would start Bam out of bio over Hassan Whiteside. Call it a hot take if you want. I, I think Hassan Whiteside is just an absolutely atrocious player. Like, oh,
1: wow. I cannot. That's pretty, that's pretty bold. That's that is pretty hot. Bold. I, I am yeah, sweating on this side of the Skype computer. He, I'm sweating on this side of Skype.
2: He provides like no value whatsoever. He rebounds the basketball. Has, has got. He's lost any desire to compete on the defensive side of the floor. So he's not defending the rim. He can't switch off the ball or, or, or switch on different players. And on offense, he wants to take mid-range shots. He wants to try to shoot threes. He wants post-ups. He, he can't score. He, he doesn't score the ball. So he provides literally no value. And I see a guy like Bam out of bio. That's a center. He defends. Can handle the basketball. He's younger. He's on a much friendlier contract. And I'm like, hey, start Bam out of bio. Get him out on the court. You, you say you keep Drogic. I'm not saying it's Drogic Butler and Whiteside. I'm saying it's Drogic Butler and at a bio. Bam. How about that?
0: Well, we've spent more time on this podcast talking about the Miami wow. Heat's backup center than I would have ever guessed. But there's your take from Aaron. Hassan Whiteside, atrocious. You hear that, Pat? Riley? You hear that, Pat? Atrocious. What's his 2K rating? You should slash <laughs> it in half.
1: Yeah, what's his 2K rating? I want to know. I want to know what the 2K rating is.
0: Slash it in half.
1: Come on. Come on. Well... I don't know. Whatever. Talk, talk about... to that opinion.
0: Talk about a team that has good backup centers. You have Miami Heat. Talk about a team that has questionable backup centers. You can look at your Detroit Pistons. And... As we transition back to our hometown team in the Motor City, obviously you had media day on Monday, beginning a training camp, and everything starting to begin this preseason. And, guys, you look at what came out of media day and just this first few days of training camp. Uh, Aaron, I'll get start with you. Talk about maybe something that stood out to you, something that made it maybe just an impact or, or something you took away from media day. Yeah, so I think in terms of
2: storylines, Andre Drummond shooting three-pointers, like we've talked about, is it really going to happen? Is it really going to happen? Bro, there's no way he's actually going to do this. Both Dwayne Casey and Andre Drummond, Lee Clip confirmed, Lee Clip confirmed that Andre Drummond will be shooting three-pointers. He's been working on him. He's been taking, you know, Casey said he could take one, two, three, four three-pointers a game. And Andre Drummond said he's been in the gym, he's taken 1000 three-pointers a day, all of that stuff. Like this is a go. This is going to happen. You're going to see Drummond in the pick and pop. Aaron, the plan is ringing. for him to shoot three-pointers. Aaron, and ringing. this is a pretty big story considering like we were teetering on maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't.
1: Aaron, I get. I agree. That it is a big story. This is one of the things that stood out for me um, from what I've been looking through for media day. Um and yes, he's been putting up 1000 three-pointers. Uh, every day and shooting at a forty percent clip, he's got people with their hand in his face when he's doing it. But in practice and in the game, it's completely different. And Andre Drummond, until he proves to us that he's mentally stronger, he's going to take the first three, brick them like crazy, and completely quit.
2: That's a hot take.
0: I don't know I if know that's. It a, I, I I don't know if that's my a guy, hot take. My guy.
1: I still, I just, I don't think it's gonna be at that thirty-five, forty percent clip this year. And I think, I no, I, it won't. I bet he is, I bet he is gonna be pulling and pulling and pulling. Because Dwayne Casey's gonna let him. Hold on, I'm telling you, it's gonna be like twenty-five percent.
0: Aaron just said no, it won't. We need to pull back the audio of the lead clip segment. Yeah. Where Aaron talked about how how he can pull this off. Just to clarify, at the at the end of that segment when we
2: talked about Andre Drummond shooting three pointers. I said he could shoot 32, 33%. That's not league average. You kept saying league clip. Yeah, and by the end of the, by the, end of the segment, I had said 32, 33%. League average around 35,
1: 36%. Hey, did you
0: hear that, Ryan? We talked him down to 32, 33%. We talked him down. I know
1: we <laughs> talked him cause You were saying league clip that entire time on that episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast. You were. Lee Clip. Lee Clip. No, Aaron. Trust me. It's not going to be Lee Clip. It's going to be around 25. Hey,
2: we'll see. We'll see. Lee
1: Clip. Lee Clip. <laughs> hey, we'll see. <laughs> okay, fuck you, right.
2: you guys owe me a dinner if he shoots Lee Clip.
1: I'll put- guys, I will I, I, will definitely pay up on that because I want him to shoot Lee Clip because his team will be next level better for themselves if he shoots Lee Clip. But he won't be.
0: Yeah, we're taking – listen. He shoots Lee Clip. Mark it here. Episode 32, Palace of Pistons Podcast. If Andre Drummond shoots league clip, Ryan and I will buy Aaron steak dinner.
1: What's his minimum? What's his minimum attempts?
0: Yeah. What's the minimum attempts on there, Aaron? Um. Jeez, I- I'll go two per game. That's fair. I think that's fair. So two a game.
1: You're I mean, looking because,
2: at a minimum like, I don't know. Like I, I like I don't know what to expect him to take. I mean, I know Dwayne Casey said he could two take one, two, three, four, five a game, but like is he really gonna have that many
0: opportunities one in the offense?
1: Two a game. I think one and a half, two a game is fair.
0: So we're oh. saying that Andre Drummond has to take we're saying depending what his health status is, an average of two per game and he has to hit Lee Clip. And
1: that, of course, this can change if we see the offense changes a little bit, um, but as of right now, yeah, I'd say two a game. Considering yeah. they're so confident in him shooting, yeah, right. Which I am not yet, and I said it on the podcast that we talked about this, and I'll say it on episode thirty-two. I want him to shoot Lee Clip. I want him to shoot better than Lee Clip. I hope it works out, and I hope I'm wrong, but I really don't think I'm going to be. So not this year, anyway. I do think it eventually gets better. Just sure. not
0: this year. That's fine. That's fair. So Ryan, if there was anything else for media day in this beginning of training camp, anything else that you've heard that maybe stood out to you, a big storyline that uh, that took some notice, that hit the, the heartstrings a little bit?
1: Two things. One was minor, one's pretty major. The minor one is Andre Drummond talking about how him and Kevin Garnett talked about the mental aspect of the basketball game. And I just want to say, I told you that's what they would be working on because that's what they need to work on with him because that's how he's going to put it all together if he's mentally in the game. So I'm glad him and Kevin Garnett have talked about that. Two, Dwayne Casey talked about how Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, stand over here, how he's been very scientific with his workouts this offseason, taking a truly scientific approach to making his game better to how the game is being played now since he's not – the high flyer that he once was i love that i'm so excited for that blake griffin's coming like i said
2: yeah and and the thing is ryan that scientific approach james edwards of the athletic put on a just a fascinating read on that scientific off off season that blake griffin had basically what blake was doing he was working with a, a an nba skills trainer i don't Remember the name. It's not pulled up. I just was reading it earlier, and you brought it up, so I wanted to hit on it. But what he did was instead of we're going to take 100 three pointers from each spot. You're going to make 10 each from this spot. We'll go back. It was like game situations, making reads, having defenders, you know, oh, he's forcing him right, he's forcing him left. He wants you to come out and pick and pop, shoot the three, drive to the basket, make the pass to the corner, making reads, and, like, just taking it from, like, a play-by-play point of view rather than just – let's shoot the ball, let's take layups. And I just, you got to go and read the piece on the Athletic. I'm telling you, if you're afraid of the paywall, one, they have just amazing deals on it. You can get like half off if you're a college student. There's always 30 or 40% runoffs. Pay the three, $4 a month because even if it's just for the Pistons, James Edwards does an amazing job covering the team, provides just point of view that you really love to read about. And today today's piece was no different, so... Definitely check it out. Read the full piece. It's really good stuff. And Ryan, like, like you said, this is just really—you love hearing that. You really do.
1: I'm so encouraged by it. I love the fact that he's taking this approach. It's only gonna make him better. And I know we had a uh, we had a real bitch fit about those uh, Sports Illustrated rankings. And I, this is gonna make that change.
2: He's coming for him. He's coming for him. He
1: Blake Griffin is coming, L.A. Against the Lakers,
0: he's coming for the Kings. Oh boys. shit, January ninth. I'm starting. Listen, we're we'll we'll have a proper meal and enjoy that one late night fest. Yes, you will listen. Yes, I'll take will. care of it. We'll we'll have some good grub. We'll have some good drinks. We'll watch that game. We'll take it in. You mark that down. You best believe it. You know, there was another storyline, and it was it's minor, but I found it interesting, um, and it it could raise some questions. Dwayne Casey was very complimentary of Glenn Robinson III. He talked about his athleticism. He talked about his leaping ability. He talked about his shooting ability. And it really begs the question, is Glenn Robinson still in the mix to potentially start this year? Or where will his role be? How much does Dwayne Casey value him? I think there's a serious conversation to be had there too about what was discussed at Media Day.
1: I've had Glenn Robinson's back since the day he signed here. I still think he's going to end up coming off the bench, but he is putting the heat on Stanley Johnson for that starting spot. And Dwayne Casey coming out and telling about how how much he likes what Glenn Robinson is bringing to the table is just proving the point. And I think I hope it's just making Stanley Johnson work harder, because Blake, or Blake Griffin, excuse me, Glenn Robinson is just going to take his spot if Stan's not working.
2: Yeah, and, and you know my point of view. You know I'm behind the Luke Kennard-Reggie Bullock pairing. Um, but Glenn Robinson the third is a guy that, if he does get the starting nod, like, honestly, as long as Luke starts at the two, I'm okay with whoever they decide to start at th- the three, even though I think Reggie Bullock is a starter as well. So it's kind of tough with Reggie and, Reggie Bullock and Luke Kennard both being primarily twos. And hey, the can, bo- I yeah, can I
1: stop you real quick? Yeah, sure. When did you change your position on Stanley Johnson to starting to being off the bench, and Reggie Ball coming in the starting lineup at the three? When did I miss that?
2: I talked about this. I've talked about this on a couple pods before. Um, I
1: I don't I know. know. you liked pairing them in a lineup. I didn't yeah. know about starting. Yeah, starting. It's I'm very interesting. Yeah,
2: I know I was with Stanley again early on, and maybe it's just because uh, we haven't been on the pod on a consistent basis lately. But yeah, I did make that switch. Really, it's been... I mean, I like the pairing, and I've just been watching a ton of Luke Kennard film, and it's like, this guy has to start because he's the best young piece this team has. And Reggie Bullock was the most efficient player on the team last year. And his pairing with Blake Griffin, their their ratings together is insane. So that was my, my, why my switch happened.
0: Ryan, I think, and Aaron both, but this ties into two topics we've talked about before. And the first being that, as I have mentioned both on Twitter and on the podcast. Luke Kennard has to start so he doesn't turn into Stanley Johnson. He has to be given the chance to succeed. I don't I don't necessarily I don't think that correlates in the Oh, same I do, way. and here's why. Stanley Johnson never had the opportunity to succeed. It was always about minimizing his chance to fail. Luke Kennard cannot be held on the same account of we'll bring him in off the bench We'll mix him in a little bit different lineups. We'll give him a little leeway. And then, oh, he messes up. We're going to pull back the leash. He needs to have a chance to succeed and fail, not just trying to put on the but, fail prevention. But you can still be a good player and come off the bench. I don't think that's...
2: And Dwayne Casey is nowhere near the same coach, player development-wise, that Stan Van Gundy was. So I don't think if Luke comes off the bench, that's setting him up for failure
0: or trying to hold him back? It is because he doesn't have a guy like Jimmy Butler in front of him. He would be starting behind a Reggie Bullock. And listen, Reggie Bullock's a good player, but I'm sorry, Luke Kennard's your future. You need to put some investment in your future. If you're not going all in on putting all hands on deck to go out and get a guy like Jimmy Butler, then you need to be developing a guy like Luke Kennard to carry you into your next wave when Blake Griffin moves on from Detroit. You know, Andre Drummond hits that second contract and you start that next wave of Pistons basketball. You need to make a move for your organization here. Starting Luke Kennard and giving him a chance to succeed and to grow and to learn in that lineup is the only way to do it. He's not learning behind some veteran league respected star. He would be behind Reggie Bullock. And again, that is not a disrespect on Reggie Bullock. But you've got to put power in the people that hold the hands of your future. Right. And well, I disagree with some of the stuff that you said. Like
2: I still think Luke should start at two and I think Reggie Bullock should start at three. So I'm not I'm not gonna combat you on it because I, I mean I, I have some fundamental disagreements with what you're saying. But again Going back to like the main point of Glenn Robinson the Third having a great camp and Dwayne Casey being really intrigued by him, my main point was I, I'm really not sure if Detroit could put together a bad combination here besides like Len and Stanley together in the starting lineup. Um, so I, I mean I just I think whichever way Detroit goes this is it's gonna work out.
0: Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see you know how that all kind of plays out, what direction. The Pistons decide to go in terms of a lineup and Luke and Stanley and Glenn. So something that we'll definitely continue to keep an eye on here on the Palace of Pistons podcast. And guys, in closing, one more topic for you. Reggie Jackson has reportedly he's been working with Arnie Kander through his recovery process. And um, I, I think that has to be a positive. But knowing that he's been working with Arnie since he came on board you know what kind of relief does that give you? What kind of um, better feeling does that give, if any? Maybe it doesn't give you any. But uh, do you have any reaction towards that, Aaron? So, for me,
2: like obviously Reggie being injured and his injury history is worrisome. There's no, there's no more avoiding it. You tried to the last two seasons; they were kind of like freak accidents, especially last year the way he came down on that ankle. But him not touching a ball this off season—that's like that's. That's worrisome, really worrisome. So for him to be working with a guy like Arnie Kander, who is such, held to such a high regard after spending seasons with that abysmal training staff that Detroit had, it it still is worrisome because he was out for so long. But him working with a guy like Arnie Kander helps alleviate some of that stress that you have when you look at his injury history and just maybe think, he's going to come back in two weeks into the season, he's going to fall apart.
1: I, I like that he's working with Arnie. I like it a lot. But like you said, I'm still really worried about it. Um, it doesn't do a whole lot to alleviate my worry about Reggie Jackson in general, just because he's been dealing with uh, a rough training staff for so long, um, and he is—he's injury prone. That's what he is now. And uh, he's just—he's missing time and time. And it's great that he's working with Arnie, but I don't know. I'm just—I'm just worried about him. So once—is he gonna be—is he gonna be Reggie Jackson? That explosive Reggie Jackson.
2: So the one subtopic to this, and it goes back to media day, um, Dwayne Casey did have did talk a little bit about Jose Calderon potentially starting a point guard if Jackson missed time. Are you guys in favor of Calderon starting and Ishmith remaining in that bench point guard role, or would you rather have Ish start and Jose play the backup spot? Dude, I don't even know anymore.
1: I'm uh I'm not the biggest Ish fan. He's a great one on one player. Um, and Calderon, what's Calderon done in the last four years? But a whole lot of nothing, but sit on the bench. Um, but if Dwayne Casey's confident in Calderon to start, then I got to—I know nothing else but to roll with the reigning NBA Coach of the Year in his decision at this point.
0: Here's what I like about that: Ish Smith playing with that first unit has really taken away from any spark on the second unit. Calderon doesn't need to be great in that first unit. You have to rely. On Blake, Andre, Kennard, Bullock, Glenn, whoever they end up putting in that lineup. You put Ish in that second group with, you know, maybe it's Bullock and Glenn Robinson or it's it's Kennard and Stanley, Kennard and Glenn Robinson, whoever that pairing is, um, you know, because your, your post players in terms of your backups suck. They suck. You don't have much at the four or five position coming off the bench. So you need to have an explosive guard. You need to have a playmaker. Jose Calderon is not better than Ish Smith, but if Calderon playing with that first unit helps get them by, and then that second unit has some electricity, some spark, um, and an ability to still produce while your your horses are off the floor, um, I like that move, and I think it makes sense, and it's something that... Uh, you know, maybe Stan should have thought about last year in terms of looking at a third-string point guard option to start, what was it, Dwight Bikes last year was playing a lot of third-string point guard. Um, and then don't forget, Aaron's over here with his man crush on Bruce Brown. You might see that too. Oh, I'm writing Bruce, a uh, Bruce right, Brown season preview for
2: Pals of Pistons right now. And guys, I'm just telling you, when Bruce Brown ascends down and, and, and just goes off the Pistons, like, I want, I want thank you notes. I want thank you letters. I want gift stop, baskets. Stop it. I want it all.
0: We're already giving you a steak dinner of Andre hits league clip, okay? You can't start asking for too many things because of your takes, right? Right. Um, Come on.
1: We can all just throw stuff off the wall and hope it sticks.
0: Yeah, one at a time here, okay? One at Just a wait time. for no, my preview.
1: But back to the topic. I agree with you, Brendan. Uh, I think I agree. Coloron can make the uh, the starting lineup look better. Because like I said, let's face it, Ish Smith is a one-on-one player, and that will work better to spark the offense with the second unit, not the first unit. The first unit needs to go through Blake and Drummond
2: and Kennard or Bullock, whoever. It can't go through Ish on the first unit. And Calderon can be passable with the starting unit because Blake can initiate the offense, Luke Kennard can initiate the offense, Andre Drummond can initiate the offense, and Jose Calderon, when he has to shoot the ball, one thing he still can do is shoot the three ball. So he can be a spot up three point shooter. You know, he can move the ball on offense, and he can he can be passable in that sense. I think Ish Dane with the second unit for the reasons that you guys mentioned.
0: It's it's the right decision. So again, something to follow. We're in training camp, beginning of the preseason, and sooner than later, we're going to hit opening night here for the Pistons. So we're getting close to coverage on that. We're looking forward to it. Uh, and again, we're going to keep coming with these episodes, right? This is Palace of Pistons podcast, episode number 32. You know we're on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review. Tell your friends. Get them to subscribe, rate, review. Visit our website, Pistons.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Palace of Pistons. You can follow me at Media Brendan. You've got Aaron at A. Johnson NBA. You've got Ryan at Pay. Ryan, that's P-A-Y-E underscore Ryan. And on Instagram, you've got at Palace Pistons. Not Palace off Pistons, Palace Pistons, as Aaron very directly informed me before the podcast today. So we appreciate everybody tuning into episode number 32, and we will see you for episode number 33 of the Palace Pistons podcast.